You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, good Monday morning, everybody, and welcome into Locked On Balls. It's your team every single day. I'm your host, Eric Kane, at underscore Kaner on Twitter, at Locked On Balls. And I want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On Balls your first listen each and every morning here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's completely free for you to listen to every single day on ample podcasting platforms and also on YouTube. So appreciate you guys for uh, doing that. Guys, it was 38-14. 38-14, the final in Gainesville. Going to recap it all here today. Going to go over the scoring plays, go over the final stats, give you my thoughts from uh, this game, as well as I'm going to tag um, in the show notes, I'm going to link my uh, column that I posted late, late, late on Saturday night to give additional uh, thoughts of mine if you guys want to check that out. But that's all coming up in segment one. In segments two and three, I'm going to give out my letter grades for offense, defense, and special teams. We'll focus on the offensive positions in segments two and the defensive positions as well as special teams and coaching in segments number three. So that's the rundown here for today, guys. I appreciate it as always. And uh, don't forget Twitter Tuesdays tomorrow. I've already got a couple of Twitter Tuesday submissions in the old DMs. So get those in there for me, and we will discuss them on tomorrow's show. So let's go ahead and get into it. This is a Monday Locked on Vols. So 38-14, there was a lot of things to be disappointed in, no doubt. There were a lot of things where you're just kind of rolling your eyes, and you're saying, I've seen this story so many times. I even had to tell myself Saturday while watching this game, hold on, wait a minute, I've seen this story so many times. Tennessee has got to learn how to play a four-quarter football game. Obviously, that's not the case so far. Um, It's got talent. It made plays. It found the end zone twice on explosive plays. That's a whole lot to to get excited about. You won the turnover battle. I mean, hey, it was one to nothing, but you won the turnover battle. That's something to to be proud about. But again, you're seeing that the same struggles that we've talked about earlier in the season and we're going to continue likely to talk about throughout the end of the season – you know, Tennessee's not good enough right now to uh, continue to shoot itself in the foot. Tennessee's not good enough right now uh, from a depth perspective to overcome that here in year number one, and that's unfortunate. Um, you know, there, there's been many games in the last couple, like, well, really last three years that I've been around the team that I know of for sure, and I know there's countless before then with the Jeremy Pruitt regime where you see Tennessee come out and play a great first half and then fall off in the second half, uh, play a great three quarters and then fall off in the last 15 minutes of play. Well, Tennessee played an outstanding first half in Gainesville on Saturday night, really had the momentum at times, and really improved in a lot of areas. And we're going to get in that here today, but at the end of the day, it fell, and it, it was very, very disappointing. But, you know, there were a lot, a lot of things that you point to and say, okay, boom, this is different, this is growing, this is getting better. And i got to be honest with you guys, the scheming of, of Josh Heupel in terms of the play calling, I know a lot of you guys might dis- disagree with me. We'll get into it when we get to the coaching here later in the show. Um, I didn't have a major issue going back and watching on a replay of, of some of the coaching decisions, like not calling a timeout there before the half on that final drive, and not electing to kick a field goal instead of going for it on fourth downs. Um, his play calling was incredible, and I think we can all agree with that. His play calling, his schematics, I mean, that's why his reputation does precede himself, and we're really seeing it here uh, in the first couple weeks of the season. But Josh Heupel's Play calling was fantastic on Saturday night, and I think we can all agree on that. If not, that's fine. Um, if you have a problem with it, you can you can DM me and let me know what you disagree with it about. But I think our 
Uh, I think the play calling was fantastic. So let's go ahead and run through the stats real quick. Then we'll get into scoring Tennessee. Well, Tennessee had 423 yards of total offense on 68 offensive plays. I think uh, Josh Heupel is not pleased with the number of plays. Of course, it needed to be faster, faster. But I, that, it's it's hard to go tempo with communication in a place like a, like a sold out you know uh, arena or a sold out venue like Florida was on Saturday night. So um, it was tough. And I thought Tennessee overall ran with pace at times, and you could tell because Florida was on, on its heels. But in terms of pre-snap communication and all that, it was really, really tough. Still run 68 plays, 423 yards of total offense. Um, Tennessee threw the ball for 275 yards, 15 of 31 through the air combined between Joe Milton and, of course, Hendon Hooker. Ran the football 148 yards on the ground on 37 rushing attempts. Tennessee averaged over 6 yards per play at 6.2. So that was a, a really, really good to see. Florida, on the other hand, had 505 yards of total offense, 7.4 yards uh, per pop per play. Uh, threw for 222 yards, ran for 283 yards. And again, it's something we talked about last week. We knew Florida was going to run the football because that's what Florida does. It was just trying to slow it down. And unfortunately, Tennessee couldn't slow it down uh, good enough on the day. Uh, Emory Jones was fantastic. And again, I've been the maybe been the biggest Emory Jones hater on and off the air the last like six months. But uh, no doubt about it, he was incredible on Saturday night, um, and, and Tennessee helped a lot in that regard just from self-inflicting wounds. Speaking of which, 10 penalties, 85 yards. That is entirely, entirely, entirely too much. Tennessee possessed the football for 24 minutes and 31 seconds. Florida possessed the football for 35 minutes and 29 seconds. You're never going to win the time of possession battle. You just aren't. That's not how this offense is built. So whenever I see the argument about time of possession, it's, it's not where it needs to be. It's just it's kind of tough to argue against it because again, what this offense is with the tempo. Even when you're slowing things down, I mean, goodness, you're you're still going at tempo, right? Uh, Tennessee was five of thirteen on third downs, one of two on fourth down conversions, zero of one when entering the red zone. It only entered the red zone one time, and it was on the final possession of the game whenever time uh, ran out. So uh, Florida, meanwhile, was nine of fourteen on third down conversions. That is entirely too high. It was 0-1 on fourth down, 5 of 5 in red zone chances, 4 of 5 in scoring a touchdown, of course, had that goal as well. Uh, Hinton Hooker finished the day 13 to 23, a pair of touchdowns, 221 yards. Jabari Small, 11 carries, 59 yards. Tyon Evans, 11 carries, 50 yards. Both of those guys averaging 5.4 and 4.5 yards per pop. That was a much, much improved receiving. Tyon Evans led the way with 71 yards on three receptions. Of course, that touchdown. Bayless Jones, welcome to it. 64 yards on three receptions as well. Uh, Javonta Payton, 82 yards on two receptions and had the touchdown. Those were the highlights there. On the other side, Emory Jones was fantastic. As I mentioned, 21 to 27, 209 through the air, two touchdowns, 144 yards on the ground, average 9.6 yards per carry. That is just, that is just not not good. Um, but we know that, right? We watched the football game. Um, he's he's a he's an athletic freak, guys. I do. I still think he's a good quarterback. No, I don't. I I, I don't believe that he is a good complete quarterback. But he is an athlete, and he certainly had that on display against Tennessee on Saturday night. Uh, let's go to the scoring real quick to start things off. It was Florida that jumped on the board just over five minutes into the game. Malik Davis, a four-yard touchdown reception from Emory Jones. I believe this was Jeremy Banks's guy in man coverage. I didn't get to watch this play on replay because, of course, 
when I taped the game, it started on ESPN News, and so I didn't account for that. Uh, but here is how it sounded on the Ball Radio Network. Jones sends a man in motion across the formation. Tennessee jumps. They got a free play. Flip it down the left side to Davis. The tailback wide open. Nobody picked him up. And Florida has a touchdown. Well, Tennessee responds later with, hey, an explosive play. 47 yards, Tyon Evans from Hendon Hooker on the screen pass, and it's all knotted up 7-7. to Gets the snap, drops the throw. They set up a screen pass, and it's going to be complete to the 35. Here's breaking a tackle to the loose. 30. Tyon Evans to the 15, to the 10. Touchdown, Tennessee. A screen pass, the left side. Goes for 47 yards as Hendon Hooker let the rush come in, and he dumped it out on the flat. Evans able to make the first guy miss, and then he went untouched into the end zone to pull Tennessee to within a point. Florida would tack on a 47-yard field goal later on in the first quarter to make it 10-7 before Tennessee takes the lead for the first and only time in the day. 75 yards, a deep pass from Hendon Hooker to Javonta Payton, and things were rolling at this point. Second down, seven. Tennessee going fast as they play fake to Evans. Fire long down the sideline. It's a man open. He's got it. Payton at the 40, to the 30, to the 20. Javante Payton all the way for a Tennessee touchdown. There you go. There's your big splash play. Sadly, from there at the 11-31 mark of the second quarter, Tennessee did not score again, and Florida scored 28 unanswered points. Uh, Nick Rod, a 23-yard touchdown pass. Uh, Kenny Gamble scored on a double pass from uh, Whitmore, from from, uh, Emory Jones as well. Uh, another one in the third quarter was Wells scoring on a nine-yard pass from Emory Jones. And then uh, the knife in the back, I guess, would be Malik Davis' the second touchdown of the game. A nine-yard rush there within two minutes of the ball game. Final score, 38-14. to But Tennessee, though, had three explosive plays on offense, which was really, really good to see. It connected on the deep pass and went for six, which was really good to see. And we'll discuss more positives as we move on. Uh, throughout this show. But uh, nonetheless, those are the scoring plays. Those are the stats. I'll continue to harp on it all day long. Uh, Tennessee, again, talents there, hung around. You can see it getting better in certain aspects of the game, but you got to play four quarters. Football is a four-quarter football game. Uh, it's a four-quarter game, and you can't, you're, you're not good enough right now to play two quarters and then and then just to go completely flat the rest of the way. And some things went against Tennessee, we'll talk about it, but Tennessee played two quarters in Gainesville, and though I think this Florida team was a lot better last year, uh, still a pretty good football team, and we saw that Saturday night with an athletic quarterback in Emory Jones. So uh, we'll get into the offensive and defensive grading scales here in just a moment, but first, guys, prize picks. Have you heard about Price Picks? Price Picks is your daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will as well. Price Picks is the leader in college sports fantasy. Price Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world, and offers the star players from the Power Five level as well as the mid-major levels um, as well. Price Picks offers any prop you could possibly think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even to interceptions thrown. All the users, you can play two to five players and get the over-under on the projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers, okay? When you deposit, use the promo code and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. All you have to do is use the promo code Locked On. Again, Locked On, that promo code, use it, and you'll get a 100% instant match up to $100. Price Picks allows for mixed sports entries as well. You can go NFL, NBA, you can go Major League Baseball, NFL, whatever the case may be. And you can use the award winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. 
Entries can be up to 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, and it's safe and offers fast withdrawal. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com. Use that promo code locked on today, or go to your app store and download the app today. Prizepix, it's your daily fantasy made easy. And another big thanks to Renison Bank. The only thing more exciting than finding a new home is owning it. And the experts at Renison Mortgage, well, they're here for you. A wide variety of mortgage options to meet your home financial needs, whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to finance your forever home. Heath Albritton, he's going to guide you through the process and find the right options for you. He's been in the mortgage industry for over 26 years and has successfully helped 10,000 families, over 10,000 families, with their home financing. Large enough firm to offer a wide variety of products, but small enough to provide custom hands-on service to the clients, just like a community bank should. Call Heath Albritton today at 615-437-0578. That number again is 615-347-0578, or visit them online at therenaissancebank.com. Heath Albritton, NMLS number 196453, member FDIC, equal housing lender. All loans are subject to the underwriting credit approval. Bank, NMLS number 402669. All right, guys, welcome back into segment number two of a Monday show, recapping Tennessee and Florida from over the weekend. I'm looking forward to Twitter Tuesday tomorrow again at underscore Kaner at Locked on Vols. Send me in those DMs, tweet me, or at Kaner, I had to forget, had to remember it, at Kaner on Air is my Facebook page. You can message me. I know some of you guys have already done that, and I appreciate all you guys for doing that and making Locked On Vols your first listen every single day here on the completely free Locked On Podcast Network, available anywhere you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. Um, I am going to be making the move to YouTube here pretty soon. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been putting it off and putting it off. I'm just too busy. Um, it's another step every single time I put this show together. You guys get to see my ugly face on YouTube here pretty soon if you are uh, into, into that noise. So uh, something to look forward to. Let's get into our offensive grades here for Tennessee and Florida. And again, you guys know me. I feel like I'm a harsh grader. Um, sometimes I feel like I can be lenient. Maybe I'm all over the map. Maybe this is why I'm not a teacher or a coach. Hey, um, I feel like I know the game of football, but <laughs> sometimes I'm a very, very harsh grader. Uh, let's get into uh, the offensive grades. Again, remember you had over 400. You had 423 yards of total offense. Not a very good third down percentage. Um, I, I mentioned that earlier. You only had one trip to the end zone, but you had three explosive plays, and you scored on two of those explosive plays, which is which is really good. I mean, that's something Tennessee had not done uh, so far in this the season really consistently, and you did it against Florida, a quality quality SEC opponent um, on Saturday. So that was good to see. We'll start with the quarterback, guys. I thought Hendon Hooker was fine. I thought he played well. I thought he clearly gave Tennessee the best chance to win. Um, again, am I giving up on Joe Milton? No, I'm not, because I think he's got the tools and the tangibles, and you guys have heard me say this a million times, to be a really good football player. But um, there's no reason for Hendon Hooker not to be playing right now, in my opinion. I thought he hung in there in the pocket, and uh, he really gave Tennessee a chance uh, to complete some passes down the field. I thought for the most part that the the, pa- the throw game for Tennessee uh, was really, really good on Saturday night. I know, I know Hendon Hooker missed on a wide-open Jacob Warren pass. I mean, golly, it's like... I mean, you connect on one, which is great. I mean, that's great to see, right? And then you miss on that when it's like it's all forgotten, right? I mean, God, he was wide open. And I know you guys are are feeling this like I am, too. It's like, what are you doing? Um, but nonetheless, I thought Hendon Hooker, you saw Cooper Mays struggle. Okay, he was, I mean, he gave it everything he had. Let me just say that right now. Cooper Mays, a warrior, gave it everything he had. And, and that's where I always say lack of depth, lack of depth, lack of quality depth. The fact that 
Cooper Mays stayed in there and tried to gut it out as long as he did. Guys, if, if, if he had to go out like he eventually did, slide Jerome Carvin over, you got to bring in somebody in. That That's just the quality of the offensive line goes down even when Cooper Mays goes out when he's playing at you know, 60% or whatever. Um, you don't feel confident about taking a breather or going and getting somebody to come in and finish the series or or whatever the case may be. And you know maybe that's why Cooper Mays tried to gut it out as long as he could. Also, he's a competitor, but uh, nonetheless, he was struggling, and there was pressure on the middle. Okay, Hinton Hooker stayed in there a couple of times and just just threw it, and then took a beating right up the middle because you know Cooper was given some because that ankle was was going out, and he's um, he's playing hurt. Uh, you know, Cox and Carter off the edges, they were. They were a whole lot to hand off. on Jacob Ward struggled there as well. But my point is, Hendon Hooker stood in there. He made the throws a lot of the time. He didn't get help out a lot of the time. Had a couple of drops. Um, I thought he was quick. I thought he was accurate. Uh, I thought he gave uh, this this offense a ability to throw on the run, rolling out, uh, picking up some first downs with his legs. I thought Hendon Hooker played a pretty good game. I mean, I really did. And so, um, 13 to 23, 221, two touchdowns. He was sacked three times. Hendon Hooker. The quarterbacks overall get a B. Now, Joe Milton came in. He finished 2 of 8. He had two drops in the limited span that he was there. Two guys dropped passes. Gosh, he airmailed a couple as well. It was a roller coaster there that last series. <laughs> so, um, But overall, the quarterback, I'll, I'll give him a B. Running backs, way to respond. Way to respond, running backs. Jabari Small, 11 carries, 59 yards. Tyon Evans, 11 carries, 50 yards. Of course, Evans had the big explosive game in the pass game there. Jabari Small was targeted. He caught one pass for 22 yards. Uh, Tyon Evans blocked well for the most part. I thought Tyon Evans clearly is the best pass-blocking running back. And Tyon Evans needs some more run. I like what Jabari, Jabari Small brings. And I'm not saying like bench Jabari Small whatsoever. I'm not saying that. But I believe Tyon Evans got one carry in the first half. Of course, he had the explosive touchdown, but I think he had one carry in the first half. You need to get him more involved because he runs so hard. He keeps his feet moving. He is powerful. Those two runs, I tweeted it out on on Sunday when I was doing my rewatch. Let me see if I can quickly on the fly uh, go and find it. Let's see how skilled I am at multitasking. Here we go. That wasn't that hard. Um, down 24-14 on the first drive of the third quarter for Tennessee last, or I guess Saturday night. Tennessee ran on the first eight plays, including a Hendon Hooker keep on third down. Tyon Evans had rushes of 10, 8, 11, and 1 yards during that sequence. He was running hard. Uh, credit the offensive line in front of him for getting a nice rebound. I think Cooper Mays helped with that a little bit. But overall, I thought the running backs responded. 5.4 yards a carry for Small, 4.5 yards per carry for Tyon Evans. Was it perfect? No. My running backs get a B for that game because I thought they responded and responded in a big way. Tight ends will get a C. Jacob Warren had a crucial first down catch late in that ball game whenever he had a comeback route, caught it, and then just okey-doked around two defenders and went and picked up the first down. I thought that was pretty good. It's evident that Tennessee trusts Hendon Hooker, trusts Jacob Warren, even when uh, Joe Milton was playing. Um, he, he would get targeted a lot. So, you know, Warren was targeted four times in the game. He had two receptions for 23 yards. Um, I thought he did okay. Princeton Fant, he had two targets. He did not pull anything in. He had one drop. Was it the easiest uh, ball to catch? No, but it was a catch that he should have had, and that would have been a first down. Um, the reason they're going to get a C for me here as the tight ends is because well, point blank, the run blocking's got to improve. they got to be more physical in the run game. They've just got to. And again, Brendan Cox Jr. and Zachary Taylor, you're not going to you're not going to you're not going to face a whole lot better as a tandem 
even in the SEC, but you got to be better there. So the tight ends will get um, a C. Wide receivers, you're going to get a B. You had three drops, according to my notes. Callaway had a drop. Bayless Jones Jr. had a drop. And let's see who had the other one. It was Princeton Fan. I just mentioned how to drop. You were overthrown three times on the day, one of which a hooker to Warren that was wide open that I told you guys about. The other two was Milton in the last drive of the day. Um, but overall, I thought that it was, you know, you were okay. Again, explosive plays, one of which went to Javonta Payton, who might be turning into a deep threat. Uh, Valus Jones Jr. is getting a whole lot more involved. Cedric Tillman is steady Eddie. I'll give the wide receivers a B in this one. Offensive line, I'll conclude here. C+. Were you great? Heck no, you were not great. Did you play with great effort? Yes, you did. On that, Tyon Evans, screen pass to the house. Darnell Wright got out there and got just enough. And again, an another great play call because um, Darnell Wright got beat the play before. So... Darnell Wright got beat the play before. You go right back. You call a screen pass to that side to let that defender scream in and allow Darnell Wright to get out there and try to get in front of a, a cornerback or a safety, which is exactly what happened. Great play, great play call by Josh Heupel and a great effort by Darnell Wright. But uh, I thought he played well at times. The communication, the pace was obviously a whole lot better at times, even though you were in the swamp and, and it was tough to communicate and all that type of stuff. Um, I thought Cooper Mays had a, had a big part in that. Um, Jerome Carvin looked better and more comfortable at guard. You racked up, again, over 423 yards of total offense. You ran for, what, 148. Uh, you allowed three sacks, but a couple of those were, uh, you know, coverage. Um, I'll give the offensive line a C+. So, in review, quarterback's get a B, running back's get a B, tight end's get a C, wide receiver's get a B, and offensive line gets a C+. No failing grades, according to me, but you've got to sustain. You've got to sustain. Again, two great quarters. And then you move the ball. Moving the ball was never the issue. Moving the ball was never the issue for Tennessee against Florida. You've just got to find a way to get points and get back in that red zone and sustain, sustain, sustain. You're just not quite there in the rebuild but again, a lot of positives. And again, I'm not a moral victory guy, but I saw a lot of things you got to like um, that, that Tennessee did in that first half against Florida. We'll get into defensive grades here in just a moment. Plus, we will also get into the special teams and coaching grades. But before we get into that, guys, a built bar. Doctor recommended, just kidding, we're going to do sweat block first. Doctor recommended, doctor created, works up to seven days per use. It's the dry shard guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by Firefighters. It's the best seller on Amazon for the past 10 years. It's got over 13,000 reviews. It's currently the number one on Amazon antiperspirant category. Manufactured in the United States. Wear what you want to wear. It's your little secret of confidence, and this is a must for everyone's toiletry bag. If you or a loved one is struggling with the back sweat, the pit stains, the gut sweat, whatever the case may be, this can help you. We live in East Tennessee, guys. It's starting to feel a little bit more like fall, but I saw the weather report last week. I need to check it right now, but it looked like it's going to be back in the mid-80s this week. And with that comes sweat, and you can block that with Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you need to check out Sweatblock today. You can get uh, today 20% off at sweatblock.com by using the promo code Locked On. You can buy it at, at Amazon or your local CVS. That's Sweatblock at sweatblock.com. Now we'll get into Bill Bar. Bill Bar, nine delicious flavors coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everybody, all right? Do you know what your favorite flavor is? That's awesome. If you don't, order a mixed box where you get two of the nine OG flavors in every single box. 
What's so great about Bill Bar? Well, they look and taste like a candy bar covered in 100% chocolate, but no wait. It is a protein bar. 17 grams of proteins, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs. That is what these come on average. All right, if you go to BillBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCK15. There, you're going to get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your first order. That's all at BillBar.com. We got a final segment left here of a Monday locked on balls. Going to get into the defensive, special teams, and coaching grades here. Um, we went over offense, quarterback B, running back B, tight end C, wide receiver B, offensive line C plus. That was in segment number two. Looking back on them now, I think that that's uh, pretty generous, but moving on. And we talked about uh, some scoring plays and, of course, my overall thoughts of the game in segment one. And, um, guys, I encourage you in the show notes, I'll link my column from late Saturday night. I'm also going to link my notes uh, from uh, the rewatch. You guys can go in there and check those out if you guys are uh, into that. And I uh, really do, do appreciate it. We'll have Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. Don't forget to submit your questions in there uh, so we can talk about it on the show tomorrow. Uh, we'll go ahead and get started with the defensive line. And, again, we, go, we went into this game previewing, previewing, rushing attack, rushing attack, rushing attack. Uh, my key to the game was slow it down. You're not going to stop it. Well, Tennessee really didn't slow it down an awful lot. I mean, we're talking about almost three three bills on the ground for Florida in this football game. Emory Jones is incredible. According to the telecast, Emory Jones is only the second Florida quarterback ever, ever, ever to rush for over 140 yards and throw for two touchdowns in a ball game. The first was Tim Tebow, obviously one of the greatest college football players uh, to ever play. So, I was, you know, you knew they were going to get a whole lot on the ground, but did I think Emory Jones is going to get 144 yards on the ground? I did not. Did I think um, that Florida would have a running back get and Damian Pierce get close to 75 yards? No, I did not. Uh, so I was a little disappointed. Plus, the pass rush was just kind of non-existent. Jaquan Blakely had uh, a sack, which looked really, really good because he ran the circle and just kept on going. That was more of a cover sack, in my opinion. Uh, the defensive line overall as a group only had three and a half TFLs. Now, you had more TFLs on the day. Um, you had uh, five TFLs on the day, but th- only three and a half came from the defensive line. Um, you had two quarterback hurries and, and Blakely and, and Simmons. So I'm going to give it a D, uh, a D for the defensive line. I just, overall, I, I, you know, we've seen better this year. But of course, the competition's getting a lot better now. Okay, moving on. I mean, the Florida, the number, now the number nine team in the country, right? Um, you know, it's Georgia in a couple weeks, Alabama in a couple weeks, you know, another SEC game against Missouri uh, this weekend. So it's going to get steeper, trust me. But um, you hope to have a better effort from your defensive line uh, overall. Linebackers, I'm going to give a D. Uh, I thought Jeremy Banks had, um, especially at the beginning, a, a day to forget. He had a costly face mask penalty. He got lost in coverage on that touchdown to begin the to, to begin the game. Um, he got pancaked, I think, on drive two. Um you know, he took himself out of a couple of plays just by trying to, to to duck under to duck under blocks and not take them on with the right shoulder and all that type of stuff. I thought Jeremy Banks, he responded well. I mean, he had a couple of plays that you like good. He plays so hard. He gives great effort, um, but probably not his best day overall. Aaron Beasley had the fumble recovery. I thought, you know, overall, I thought he struggled a little bit as well. He had to play an awful lot. Juwan Mitchell didn't play hardly at all. Um, again, his status, you know, really is just kind of very unclear. Don't really know what the situation is there um, in terms of what it means for the next game and how much he might play. Solon Page, I, I didn't think he had a very good game. I mean, you know, point blank, Florida ran for so much. Florida scored three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. 
Um, you know, linebackers, big part of that. And so I'll give the linebackers a D as well. Uh, DBs, I'm going to give you a C plus. Yes, you're very much a part of this defense in all, in all areas. Um, you had three passing touchdowns, one of which was a, uh, one of which was a, to the, to the running back, which again was, was, I'm going to put that on Jeremy Banks. Um, in my opinion, I could be wrong on that. Again, I, I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sold out on what the responsibilities are, but that's just kind of how I interpret it. Uh, the defensive backs, Got burned again on a double pass. That's the second time you've given up a, a touchdown via the double pass. Happened in the Pittsburgh game. You saw Tennessee Tech go after it three times. And, I mean, that that's going to be something that Tennessee's defense will be challenged with all season long. Even when Tennessee plays Vanderbilt way later in the season, Vanderbilt will try that because, again, Tennessee's been burned on it already twice this year. You've got to stay home, got to stay home, got to stay home. On the read options, a lot of the guys in the secondary didn't stay home enough. And that allowed big uh, run lanes for, obviously, Emory Jones and a lead blocker. Uh, some of those you could drive a truck through, which was kind of concerning. But Taylor had a great strip, and it was textbook, okay? You had you had McCullough, or you had Trayvon Flowers get him at the legs and hold him up. Fonte Taylor came in there and ripped that thing through. Jeremy Banks clocked the guy, and then Aaron Beasley jumped on the loose ball. That was textbook. Couldn't even coach it any better. Um, but overall, I think that uh, because... Florida had such a, a big night on the run game, you know, really in the vertical passing game. I mean, you got some, but I mean, Emory Jones, he threw for 209 yards and had a couple, couple touchdowns. But, um, you know, one of those again was to, uh, what was to the, uh, a double pass. And then one the, another one was to, uh, the running back out of the backfield. So I'll give the defensive backs a C plus, you know, not great. You're, you're lacking explosive plays from the secondary position, you know, Trayvon Flowers played every single play of the game. Jalen McCullough played all but one. And you're just, I mean, Trayvon Flowers had 15 tackles in the game. If you look at the stats, you'd say, oh, 15 tackles, that's a good game. But again, nothing explosive is being created there. Christian Charles came in for, what, one play and gave up a first down, which was kind of, uh, you know, not great. But you want Christian Charles to be pushing for playing time. You want Tamir McDonald to be pushing for playing time. And that's just not the case right now. So, uh, Defensive backs, I'll give a C plus. Special teams, it's been so great all year long, and Tennessee needs to hang their hat on special teams because if you can win that phase of the game every single week, you're going to give yourself a chance. It was not won on Saturday night. It was lost in a big way. D for the special teams. I'm going to give them a D. Only one touchback from Toby Wilson. Um, you had two penalties on one punt return, which was horrendous. Uh, the personal foul from William Mohan, of course, the ejection from Jimmy Callaway or Jimmy Holiday, excuse me, that it was targeting. Unfortunately, it happens. I'm not going to beat up on the kid. He was distraught on the sideline, but you know you can't make that type of mistake. But you had two penalties on one punt return or on one punt play, excuse me, that cost you 30 yards, right? Um, one time on a punt return, you had Trayvon Flowers and Valus Jones Jr. out there at the same time. They both were number one. You can't have two guys with the same numbers on the field at the same time. They both run off. Tennessee doesn't have a returner. Tennessee has nine players on the field, and it allows Florida to get a generous 59-yard rolling punt and put Tennessee back within its own 10. That is just an inexcusable mistake, inexcusable mistake. And, of course, you had Chase McGrath's first missed field goal. So I'm not going to harp on it too much. But special teams did not change the game. Tennessee did not use special teams to its advantage. And it's been so great in special teams all year long. Saturday it wasn't. And you hope that that's just an anomaly. And then finally, coaching, I'll give it a B. Um, a lot of people were not happy with Josh Heupel going for it on fourth downs. You're in four-down territory. And you're down by, what, you know, 13 points at the time. 
go for it. You're, you're here to win, right? Go for it. Right before the half, I'll hear this conversation, and Josh Heupel did address it in postgame. Um, but what I'll say this, especially going back and watching it on the replay, why didn't Josh Heupel call a timeout? Why didn't he call a timeout there at the end? There was some confusion because of the replay. Josh Heupel challenged, lost it. Um, the uh, game official said that Tennessee was out of challenges and also burned a timeout. I think there was some confusion on how many timeouts Tennessee had. Nonetheless, Florida was not Florida couldn't get lined up. You had two guys from Florida that were running off the field one play after a big chunk play. I think Davalis Jones Jr. You had a defensive lineman that wasn't even in a stance. I mean, Florida couldn't even line up at that point in time. So, in my opinion, I thought it was smart for Tennessee to keep the pedal to the metal and try to go hurry up in that situation. Of course, it didn't work out on that last pass play. Try to settle for the field goal, and it misses wide right. But overall, coaching, I know there was a couple of puzzling you know, circumstances. I think overall it did fine. Um, I thought Josh Heupel called just a brilliant game plan offensively. Um, his play designs are truly something to, to behold. I mean, really, they are. It's just a matter of connecting executing and seeing what happens from there so a uh, defensive line a d linebackers d defensive back c plus special teams d and coaching i will give a b and those are our grades from the florida game hopefully those grades will improve i think missouri is a winnable football game missouri obviously uh, upset on the road against boston college and uh, we'll continue to break down all that is that game moving forward as we go on throughout the week. We'll do it tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday, Wednesday for Josh Ward Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. We'll have a couple more interviews, all that and more coming up. That is your show. Guys, get your Twitter Tuesday questions in at underscore Kaner at Locked On Vols. And appreciate you making this your first listen of the day. How about a second listen? Check out the Locked On Bets podcast. Doesn't have to be a guessing game anymore. If you check out the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, that's wherever you get your podcast. And of course, it's brought to you by betonline.ag. Guys, I enjoy it. Please feel free to reach out. We'll continue this conversation all week long. Bottom line, Tennessee, same old story, same old feelings at the end of the game on Saturday. I get it. I understand your patience is drawn out. I understand that. There were a lot of positives that I saw from that football game that I think is a solid foundation in the making, but it doesn't ease the pain any now. I do understand that. But Tennessee will try it again next week at Missouri, and I'm going to be there to cover it. And we'll get continuous coverage of that game all week long here on Locked On Vols. Guys, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, everybody. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.